Good morning. You ever try really hard at something and like just sort of go all in and then realize that what you wanted is just not gonna happen, uh, even though you're trying your best? Well, that's, uh, that's a common experience, obviously. You know, personally, um, during the COVID pandemic, I've been really trying hard to, um, to teach my students in a different way uh, because they are spending most of their time at home learning and sometimes I work really, really hard putting together something um, for the kids to, to be able to learn new material at home and um, realizing it completely crashes and burns and I need to throw it all out and try something different. Um, well, today we're going to be looking at a, uh, a person who spent a lifetime uh, setting their will on something uh, setting their uh, heart and desire on something um, that ended up being the opposite of what God wanted for their lives. It ended up um, going in the opposite direction that God said. God clearly said, hey, do this. And then this guy tries to uh, to do the opposite. And uh, and when he nears the end of his life is the culmination of, of that will, a lifetime of will. We're going to see what happens when somebody uh, tries to um, go against God and how it goes. I, I think you can probably guess. <laughs> but uh, but today uh, we are going to be you know picking up part two of a, a series that um, that Brian is, has continued for the last uh, couple of months. We've been looking at the Hall of Faith um, in Hebrews 11, and um, we've been looking at uh, different examples in uh, Christianity. Um, Actually, going way back to the Old Testament, uh, same God, but uh, Jewish followers who basically um, uh, had faith looking ahead to the ultimate plan of God and what he was to do. And um, we've been going through a series on the, the what's called the Hall of Faith, um, and these characters... Uh, each have their own unique stories and each have their own way they made it into the Hall of Faith. Um, kind of like the Hall of Fame, only it's the Hall of Faith. And we're looking at the story of Isaac. And um, Isaac is part of this special line of humanity, okay? Like generation to generation to generation to generation, all the way up to, um, to the birth of Jesus. So um, God, you know, when Adam and Eve sinned, and the relationship between uh, humanity and God was wrecked. You know, it's been wrecked ever since. This was, you know, thousands of years ago. Um, God, in his infinite wisdom, said, I, I would, I want, I desperately want that relationship restored. And um, in order to do that, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, um, into, into an actual a uh, real family group uh, into a into a real family line, okay. Um, so he was born to real human parents, Joseph and Mary. And if you trace that line back, you'll see um, a passing of the torch from generation to generation. They were part of this prophecy, this prediction about this family line that would lead to the blessing of the whole world. Um, and it turned out Jesus was that blessing to the whole world. And early, the, the first person in that line is Abraham. Um, Abraham is called out to leave his home and to leave his people. And Abraham 
is given specific words from God um, about his life and his family line. So we're going to pick up there um, in verse 2. Uh, God says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Okay, and that last line is the most important one for us and how we fit in with the story. Um, so Abraham is given this promise that through his line is going to come a blessing for the world. And that, of course, is Jesus Christ. Um, and um, so that uh, promise, you know, was started in Abraham. That plan was, was began in Abraham. And then Abraham um, passed the torch to his son Isaac. Um, and we actually looked at that story, uh, their story together in weeks prior. So the second generation, and we pick up the story with Isaac. Um, and the intention is the, the blessings and promises are supposed to be passed on um, from Isaac to his firstborn son, typically, right? Um, the firstborn son in that culture, it was well known that they get... Um, they definitely get the most benefit from their dad, uh, from their family. They get a double portion of the inheritance and sort of the family line, the focus is on that firstborn. A firstborn is everything. And, um, and so strangely enough, you know, um, in this family line, uh, God operates how God operates and God picks who God's going to pick, right? Uh, to, to carry on that line up into the birth of his son, Jesus. And, and in this case, um, God does not choose the firstborn, who happens to be Esau. God chooses the secondborn, which is definitely countercultural. He chooses uh, a Jacob, and he makes it clear, even before they're born, this is who is going to be carrying on um, this family line uh, he is going to be the one that's part of the blessing, okay? And um, as we'll read, um, Isaac had a problem with that. And Isaac, you know, for his lifetime, um, decided he was not going to listen to God. And he was going to uh, put that blessing on his son. So, uh, let's, let's, uh, let's look at that. Um, let's look at that today. And... Um, I want to look at first, I want to start uh, with Genesis 25, 23, that uh, declaration that God makes to Rebecca, who was Isaac's wife, when she has the twins in her womb, um, the next generation. Um, Genesis 25, 23, the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within, within you will be separated one people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. Okay, and so the clarity here is the uh, the younger, um, in this case, Jacob was that chosen one to sort of pass on the um, pass the torch, used to pass the torch to Jacob, and you know people have asked, and actually Paul addresses this in Scripture, why Jacob. You know, why Why not the firstborn? Because that, that uh, clearly happened, um, you know, in, in other instances in Scripture. Why, um, why Jacob? Was there something special about him? 
Um, and, you know, it's, it's kind of an annoying answer, but um, God does what he does. <laughs> and, uh, and I will say that, you know, in my studies through the scriptures, when I'm looking at the, you know, examples in the Bible of who God works the most with, a lot of times that person that he uses the most, does the most with, um, is not would not be on our top choice or our list of, of people to work with. Um, and thankfully that's true. He, he doesn't just like sort of work the most through the Gandhis or the Mother Teresas of the world. Um, he is well known for for picking people that would be the last on our list, in fact, to you to work with the most. And um and I think there's a very, very strong reason for that. You know, I'm not God, right? Obviously, I, I don't know his mind, but he has made his, his ways clear. Um, and, and, that, and that reason is um, when you are not somebody the world would pick on their A-list, um, well, you're definitely humbled. And a humbled person um, will rely less on themselves, and they will see that God working with them is purely grace, and they did not earn it. Um, and and that's the that is the um, the message of Christianity. So, if you thought that Christianity was simply you needed to earn uh, something, uh, earn favor with God, earn grace, earn the gifts, earn um, your way into heaven, then you have a different religion altogether. You're confused. Um, Christianity is not about uh, being the best and brightest. Um, it, you know, and it, it's great to, to, uh, give it all up and sacrifice and do huge things for the Lord. Um, but, you know, even the ability to do that is grace in itself because God gave you those gifts and God is the one that put those desires for you to do those things. And, you know, God gets all the glory and all the credit. And so in our lives, um, you know, the, the attitude to take on a daily basis is, um, that I did not, I wasn't uh, made part of the family of God because I was necessarily uh, better than that person down the road. Um, God loves all, and God tells us all have fallen short of his standard. Nobody is worthy uh, of heaven. And so, you know, starting at that point, and so Jacob, the second born, um, you know, that doesn't make sense. It, it, um, you know, it wouldn't be the top pick for this culture, but that's who God went with. And it, and people have wrestled with that. Why? Um, because why didn't he pick um, Esau? It's a, it's a hard question, but uh, the answer is God is who he is, and he, he does what he does. <laughs> we have to accept it. Um, okay, so uh, we're going to fast forward um, after the birth of these twins, 77 years, um, to where Isaac is at the point of his his uh his life where he number one he has gone blind um he can't see anymore and um he's 137 years old and he is thinking his body's telling him yeah i think we're going to um we're going to quit pretty soon here and so he he feels the uh, the urge to pass the blessing on pass the torch to his oldest son esau um and uh and Esau, it, you know, Brian was reading last week, Esau uh, was the favorite son of Jake, of um, Isaac. Um, Esau was the one that Isaac connected with the most. Um, Esau was different, as we're going to see. Um, 
it, these twins were not identical twins. Um, and uh, there were a lot of things that made Esau unique from his brother. Um, and and um, and Jacob, uh, he, he sorry, Jacob was not uh, on Isaac's uh, A list for passing on the torch. So let's pick up Genesis 24, one to four. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son. Here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now get your equipment, quiver and bow, and go out to the country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Okay, so, you know, at the birth of his twins, God says, Jacob's the one you're going to pass it on to, uh, this blessing. Um, and throughout Isaac's life, um, he has willfully um, decided, I'm not going to listen to that. And now he's nearing the end of his life, he thinks. He actually did live like 37 years after this. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, he thinks he's at the end of his life. He's going to willfully... Um, disobey God. And he's not the first to do that in history. Um, I've never done that before. I've never disobeyed God, but you know, anyway, no, just kidding. Um, so, uh, first I want to stop for a second and appreciate the, uh, the strength of will that we can have as a, as a people and, uh, the, uh, the great achievements that, um, we have, have, have accomplished, um, the great achievements when we work together President uh, Joe Biden has. I've listened to a, a you know a couple of his speeches at this point, and and he continues to say things like this. There's nothing we can't accomplish when we worked together. And another thing he's done a couple of times. He said we've never, 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 never failed when we've worked together as a nation on something. Um, so he is definitely somebody who's running on a campaign of, of unity and um you know as far as being able to accomplish anything when we work together that's actually a biblical concept the bible actually agrees with it um actually god actually ends up saying that is true um at one point in human history i think of the tower of babel in genesis it's a time where humanity actually everybody spoke the same language and they all had set their, their mind on, an, on a task, an idea. Um, they set their mind on, on staying in one place as a big people group and uh, building this tower up to the heavens. So let's pick up the story there and hear what God says about them. So we're in Genesis eleven nine. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, Come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. And they said, Come, let's build our, for ourselves a city, a tower that reaches with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we'll be scattered over the face of the earth. And if you know the story, God actually commanded them to scatter all over the face of the earth. So this act in itself was a, in defiance of the will of God. God said, spread out. And they said, no, 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 we're not going to spread out. We're actually going to make our name great, you know, even though they should be making the creator's name great. And they said, we're going to build a tower up to heavens. And basically, let's, let's become like gods ourselves. So huge rebellion going on. Okay. 
So they're, they're building this huge tower. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. Verse 6, the Lord said, If as one people, speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. That's where I got my example. God actually said when people are working together as one people, there is nothing they cannot accomplish. Now, in this case, that was a very scary thing because these people were not accomplishing cures for cancer here. This culture was a broken culture. And the scary thing about a broken culture being able to accomplish anything um, are the evils that that culture can do in the name of the stomach of the name of the pride, you know, and in the name of the me show. And so that was not, that's not a good thing. It's a scary thing when we can do it whatever we want, especially when we're rebelling against God, because God loves his creation and wants his creation restored and wants the best for us. And when we're doing our own thing, it's not going to accomplish good, except it's going to accomplish evil. So God says, nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Verse 7, come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all of the earth and they stopped building the city. That's why it's called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth. From there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. So humanity can accomplish anything. Well, almost anything. You know, when God has a plan, it is not going to be stopped, no matter what, no matter if we're united with all our strength against it. That's the beauty of it, because God knows best. Back to Genesis 27. Um, Isaac, so Isaac, at this point, you know, he's, he's nearing death. He's lived a lifetime of favor towards his firstborn son, Esau. He's going to rebel against God and pass the blessing on to him and not Jacob, even though God specifically said, Jacob's the guy. So what's going to happen? Um, can Isaac be stopped? The line of Jesus, right, is going to come through this family line. Is, is, is Isaac going to mess that up? All he needs to do, all Isaac needs to do is just say a few words of, of blessing and, and, and pass it on to, to Esau and it's done. Say the magic words. So, and that's exactly his plan. But let's look at a couple of verses. Proverbs 19, 21 says, Many are the plans in a man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord, it will stand. So, you can, we are all constantly scheming and making our plans. You know, I know I am. Uh, well, actually, Ren, in our relationship, <laughs> she's the planner. I'm just, uh, I just kind of fly by the seat of my pants sometimes. And, uh, and thankfully, one of us makes some plans here. But I'm, I'm getting a little bit better. Um, but no matter what our plans are, God is going to um, prevail on it. His, his way is, is going to win out. Um, he knows what he's doing in the big picture that we don't always get to see. <laughs> we don't always understand. Uh, Psalm 33.10. Psalm 33.10 says, The Lord nullifies the counsel of nations. He frustrates the plans of the peoples. And I would say, praise the Lord for that, because we have some pretty sketchy, scary plans. And praise the Lord that he puts a stop to some of those and frustrates them. 
Isaiah 46, 9 through 10 says, Remember the former things long past, for I am God. So this is God speaking. And there is no other. I am God. There is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning. And from the ancient times, things have not been, things which have not been done, saying my purpose, God's purpose, will be established, and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. So, finally, the tragic and dysfunctional family um, show is going to come before us. You know, this, this ugliness of what happens when we seize our will and we're saying, my way to the highway to God, it gets really, really ugly. Genesis 27, 5 to 17, Rebecca, you know, his, uh, his wife actually schemes against his plans. Now, Rebecca was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebecca said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat, so that I may give you blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you to. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your, your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat, so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to, to Rebekah, his mother, But my brother Esau, he's a hairy man, kind of like me, if you know me. Um, while I have smooth skin, what if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. So Jacob's not like, hey, I shouldn't lie. He's like, hey, I'm going to get found out, and there's going to be consequences. So he doesn't care about the lying. Um, that's that's his function there. His mother said to him, My son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. Um, and it kind of appears that possibly she did reap some consequences on this. After this moment that's about to happen, she never sees her son again. Her fa and, and Jacob's her favorite son. 14. So he went out and got them and brought them to his mother, and she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. Then Rebecca took his best took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with the goat skins. That's how hairy Esau was. Uh, then she handed to her son, Jacob, the tasty food and the bread she had made. And now come the string of lies from Jacob, his part in the deception. Genesis 27, 18. Then he, Jacob, came to his father and said, My father. And he said, here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau. Lie one. Your firstborn. Lie two. I have done as you told me. Lie three. Get up. Please sit and eat of my game. Lie four. That you may bless me. So he was seeking to, to, to take the blessing. Um, 20. Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have it so quickly? Meaning that game. From the, from, the, uh, from the wild. And he said, because the Lord your God has caused it to happen to me. A big lie. Now he's bringing God in the picture and, and saying, no, 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 God blessed my hunting abilities today. And, and that's, that's pretty brazen right there. Verse 21, then Isaac said to Jacob, come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob's a little suspicious or Isaac's a little suspicious here. Jacob went in close to his father, who touched him and said, the voice is the voice of Jacob, 
but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he proceeded to bless him. And one last ditch effort, because he's still a little uneasy about this. Are you really my son Esau? He asked. I am, he replied. Then he said, my son, bring me some of your game to eat so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him and he ate and he brought some wine and he drank. And then his father Isaac said to him, come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went in and kissed him. And that was a strategy, that one last test. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord God has blessed. May God give you the heaven's dew and the earth's richness and abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and people bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers. That was that prophecy said over Jacob. And may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. Um, and so uh, the blessing is done. The torch is officially passed to the correct son um, who was prophesied that you would, you would get the blessing in the end. Um, and uh, a, a couple of interesting things here, um, you know, why, why Isaac was tricked. Um, so it, it's one thing, you know, if they looked exactly the same, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be too hard or if they, they, they kind of had the same appearance and personality. But um, I, I just, I, I want you to think of all the senses that were engaged here. Um, you know, Isaac, of course, was blind, but when he's, when you're, when you're blind, it's said that your other senses are, you know, heightened. You have a heightened awareness. So, um, so he, he can hear, he can hear his son's voice and they have different voices, right? They, they're, they're very distinct voices. So there's hearing and you can feel Esau's hairy arms. Um, gross, right? Uh, he could, maybe, he, he still can smell the fields in Esau's clothing and he can taste the unique food Esau has been pre preparing for him for decades. And on top of that, his mind and his reason is sharp. You know, he's not, um, he is definitely thinking this through to try to prove um, that he has the right son in front of him. He's got a very strong plan that involves his whole body, his whole being, all his remaining senses, and all his will is set on opposing God and making his plans happen over God's. Um, so uh, when, when we read Hebrews uh, chapter 11, the Hall of Faith, he's actually given credit to, to actually, you know, at the end of his life, attempting to to bless um, Esau, right? He, so he's at least got it right that God is going to continue to work in this family. He at least believes that. Um, so that's that's credited him, credited to him that um, on, in his dying day he says, "I didn't see these blessings yet." You know, it's very early on in this story. I didn't. The, the whole world's not blessed through me yet. But he um, he's credited as even in his dying breath saying, "I passed the torch and it will happen." So so that part is is good. Um, but his will to, to bless the wrong son is certainly not. Um, uh, so we're going to continue the story of, of Isaac um, in, in, in just a second. Um, uh, yeah, here we go. Uh, verse 30. After Isaac finished his blessing him and Jacob has scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting so here's some more family drama about to about to go down. You can kind of 
see how that's gonna go for the for this older brother he too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father and then he said to him my father please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing his father Isaac asked him who are you I am your son your firstborn Esau and verse 33 says Isaac trembled violently okay all his senses go haywire and I just just want to read to you that um, that trembling um, in the original language I got some notes from some, some commentary here um, from people that way smarter than me the, the word tremble is uh, charad in the um, original language and it conveys the idea of a movement resulting from agitation usually causing tr usually trembling coming from emotional trauma and in, a, in Exodus, it's used to describe the shaking of a mountain. That same word. Uh, the Arabic cognate of Sharad means to be furious. Most occurrences uh, refer to trembling from emotional agitation before an unusual circumstance. Um, and uh, the it, in the Septuagint, it translates Sharad to with ecstasis from existemi, which means to be out of one's senses, which is really interesting. Like senses kind of go out the window. You know, when you're, when you're angry or you have intense emotions, all that blood is, is sort of leaving the brain, you know, and you know, that's what studies have shown. And it's going to the extremities. It's like your adrenaline's going and you're not thinking clearly. Um, everything, all his will is sort of broken at this point. Um, and, and I, I do want you to, I want you to think in that moment, that realization that, that Isaac has, that God, God is, God's will is going to prevail, even against a lifetime of plans here, um, and everything that Isaac had. Um, so, you know, think that all of his, all of his senses were used to accomplish this, and his whole body is convulsing at this point, at this work of God. Um, and his senses suddenly are about to dial in. Um, his sense of sight is going to dial in. His spiritual sight, not physical. Okay, He's going to see the shimmering light of God's inevitable plan. Isaac, in this moment, is like the crashing down of a house that's built on the sand. When the waves overtake it in a violent storm... His foundation is shaking down, is what I picture. Um, his foundation of his will meets the unstoppable will of God. He is like in the story Jonah, who is fleeing from the will of God, who is thrown overboard in a storm, sinking down into the depths of the sea in the belly of a whale. That moment of turning and, and realizing, I should be going <laughs> with God's will, not my own. He is like Saul, who is on a road to go and try to stop Christians from spreading the good news of Jesus. Saul on the road, looking to persecute and put to death Christians, thinking he's doing God's will. When God comes to him in a blinding flash of light, takes away his sight for days, and says to him, Why are you kicking against the goads? Uh, basically, you're you're coming up against an unstoppable force here. You're working for the wrong team, even though you think you're doing the right thing. You are not 
doing my will. And, and of course, Saul is, uh, is completely changed, and including his name to Paul in that moment. Isaac is like you and I. Um, when we have that moment in our lives, and if you haven't had this moment yet, I hope you do today, um, where you realize the road you're going on, well, you might not realize in this dra- these drastic terms, but it will eventually lead to death, uh, both physically and spiritually. Um, and when you realize that your way is not, gonna, is not going to be uh, going in a good direction for eternity, You realize Jesus is the only way to truth and life. Um, He is the light, and we need to come out of the darkness to Him. When we've realized that moment, our you know some of us sometimes it's a for us it's like a real crazy um, shaking moment of like wow this whole story is true. I was created by a loving Creator, Jesus. I do have a different purpose than I've been living, and you know our whole foundation can shake. And we can be unrecognizable to those around us personally. That, that kind of thing happened to me when I really uh, put my faith in Jesus. I was nearly recog- unrecognizable to my, my friends when I, when, I, when I came home. And, um, you know, er- almost everything that, that was true about me was flipped upside down. And um, hopefully a lot of that st- kind of stuck for me. But... Um, Let's continue the story. When when Esau, so Esau is there and his father is shaking violently. He doesn't know why. Um, he is not necessarily, he's seeing some physical things going on. He's not seeing the spiritual, the mental reality of what's going on. He doesn't know it yet. But his father Isaac is seeing once again, spiritually. 77 years of willful spiritual blindness is becoming eclipsed by the true light of God's will. And he realizes God's promises are certain and they're unchanging. Pick up in verse 33, Isaac trembled violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came and I blessed him. And indeed, he will be blessed. So, in this moment, Isaac has realized he has blessed Jacob, okay? And in the strongest of terms, um, he is asserting to his son, his favorite son Esau, who he wanted to give that blessing to. He's saying, I've blessed Jacob, and indeed it shall happen. It's not going to get taken back, because at this point he realizes God is in this, and I can no longer oppose his will. He couldn't anyway, but um, God is in it. Um, and so, indeed, it's going to happen. Of course, when Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, me too, my father. Okay, so Isaac, um, throughout the scene, is, uh, is weeping. Um, is is seeing that that God is not going to uh, pass his blessing. He did not choose Esau. It's it's you know you know you can you can explore and look at Esau's life and try to figure out why why not him. You know there's definitely some evidence for why not. But who is really perfect, right? Um, he's, Jacob certainly isn't. 
Um, and the and the question that you're probably wondering is like, God's will came about through a whole bunch of lies and deceit and treachery and family brokenness. Um, so is God? Did God give Jacob those ideas and and did God work through? Um, his uh Rebecca and her scheming and her planning well the the good news is no, God does not cause us to lie, and God's not a fan of that, and God is not all about that. There were huge consequences because this happened. Jacob had to flee for his life and leave his family for a very long time. He never saw his beloved mother again. Um, there were huge consequences but that came in, but here is an example of flawed individuals um working alongside a perfect God. And his his will prevailed even through imperfect circumstances that Isaac kind of forced. Um, and yeah, that is really my only answer for that one. Um, so in, you know, obviously God, you know, lying, lying is, is, an, is definitely a sin and not part of God's uh, plan for our lives. So I... You know, I could you could speculate. Well, what if, you know, what if uh, Isaac or what if Jacob didn't lie? Would you know how would God pull it off? I, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know how God would have you know his plan A obviously would have been for um, for Isaac to simply live a life you know poised to to bless the second born son, um, but obviously that didn't happen. But God, um, God, His will is going to happen. Um, so no matter what we do to try to stop it, thankfully, because his will is perfect and good. Um, it's good for us. It's life and sustaining for us. Um, so anyway, Isaac ends up, uh, pronouncing a, a sort of blessing over Esau. Um, in verse 39, your dwelling will be away from the earth's riches, away from the dew from heaven above. You will live by the sword and will serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke from off your neck. So um, definitely not a nice blessing to get from your, your old man. Um, but it does kind of end with a little hope, I guess, that that uh, these two people groups, the line from Jacob and the line from Esau, you know, uh, eventually um, Esau will be able to kind of get off the, uh, get his brother off his back at one point. Um but yeah, so the, you know, so Isaac is given credit for having faith and um, it's, it's really hard to understand sort of why, because Isaac, it seems, should not be recognized in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11, um, which says that, uh, that, 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 um, that Isaac, his faith was demonstrated when at the end of his life, he blessed his two sons. Um, the, the picture, you know, uh, there's actually three characters that are mentioned in Hebrews 11, Isaac, uh, Jacob, his son, and then Joseph, his son. Um, uh, the, these are, these are sort of, uh, mentioned right in the same couple of verses that cover like lots of chapters in Genesis. Essentially they're, they're given credit because at the end of their lives, at the end of their lives, when they you know, for for Isaac was his, the presumed end of his life. Um, for the end of their lives, they die in faith, looking ahead to the promises of God and passing that on. 
That's why he's recognized for his faith. And um, finally, he gets it right towards, towards the end here. He, he realizes that he blessed the correct son in the end and does not seek to take that back. Um, so that's where he's given credit, where credit's due. Um, so there's a couple of takeaways that I want you to think about. Um, number one, we have a God that keeps his promises. And there are a lot of wonderful and beautiful promises for the believer, um, for those that have put their trust in the saving uh, sacrifice of Jesus. Um, that that God, um, that God, you know, regardless of what you've done, regardless of who you have been in the past, God has called you uh, to put your faith in Jesus and to live a life of new purpose and uh, to live a life for Him. Um, you know, uh, obviously he does not leave you on your own. He helps you in that journey. He continues to work with humanity today. Um, and he says in the future, I will come back. I will come back for those that uh, put their faith in me and I will take you to be with me. Um, so you'll be with me where I am. And we have this amazing picture, um, in heaven for us, uh, where we, um, we look forward to being with, with Jesus for eternity. Um, because of of what he did for us on the cross, paving the way, and and um, and what does it take to get there? Um, for some of us, it's going to come a violent, uh, trembling moment where we realize, I got it wrong. You know, I thought I thought this was the way to salvation. This was the way. This was what was going to make the world right. And we realize, oh, I was actually created. And we have that violent, trembling moment of like our whole will coming crashing down and we see the, the perfect will of God. Um, so, so it, it is going to be, you have to be humble about it and, and, and turn in the direction that you're going. There's a turning, right? Uh, because the Bible says all have sinned and fall short. Everybody's plans are, you know, are, are falling short of God's perfect plan for us. And it's, it's recognizing that, acknowledging that and inviting God into your life and his plans for your life. And for some of us, it's a violent trembling that will happen because we are so steeped into our own will. And for some of us, it can happen in, in just a moment and it can be casual and it can just be, let, let me dip my feet in the water here and see if, see if this God is real. And, and he, his promise is when we knock, um, when we knock on the door, when we say, all right, God, are you, are you real? He, he promises to show up. He promises to, um, to, uh, to invite you into the family of God. So no matter what, so I would encourage you today, um, God's will, you know, no matter, you know, no matter, no matter how hard we push against it, we are merely running and placed on a treadmill, you know, all of our will and strength. Um, I encourage you today to step off that treadmill <laughs> and start walking in a different direction, start actually making progress for eternity, not just for this life. Um, and that, and that, you know, believers, Christians, myself, uh, I find myself on the treadmill uh, quite frequently. <laughs> the treadmill of getting nowhere, of doing my own thing and thinking that I am uh, living for God. So I, I daily have to step off that treadmill and willfully submit my will to God. Um, and it's, it's something that, uh, that requires God's grace and forgiveness, which he offers for both the believer for, for all his all our mistakes and for the unbeliever, um, God offers that, that free gift um, that comes through Jesus. 
All right, so so I encourage you, uh, make that choice and accept that God's promises are going to happen um, and put your faith in them. If, you, if you're reading the Bible and you, and you read something that God says about you and declares it true, it's true. Um, and we can trust it. And uh, we have an example today of somebody who didn't trust it and then came up against, thankfully, the, the um, irresistible will of God. And, um, and, I, and we praise the Lord for that, that he, he can overcome even the strongest among us. All right. Thanks for stopping in and uh, continue next week. Same place, same time. And uh, yeah, if you we do Zoom after this. So there are some big questions for this story that maybe I haven't tackled. So come come Zoom, come join our, our family. Um, we would love to get to know you. And um, yeah, enjoy, enjoy the day. It's real cold here in Vermont. So uh, maybe some indoor hot chocolate or some soup or something. All right. Take care.